I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth and Mission. Muni is in major trouble. Passengers aren't comfortable riding buses during the COVID-19 pandemic, and revenue has plunged. The bus system will likely slash two-thirds of its bus lines and won't bring San Francisco's famous cable cars back until there's a vaccine. That'll mean even more people driving and our bridges and streets even more jammed than before. The Chronicle's transportation reporter, Rachel Swan, is joining me to break down the bad news. Rachel Swan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Heather. It's an honor to be here. Aw, thanks. (laughs) Um, Well, we are talking about a very um, unhappy subject, which is Muni is in major trouble. Um, You had a really interesting story the other day about uh, 40 out of the system, 68 bus lines might not come back. Um, How did projections from Muni get so bad? Can you kind of walk us through what's going on and what led to this dramatic cutback? Yeah, well, I guess one thing I should say is that um, this is going to happen with pretty much every single transit agency, probably, you know, definitely in the Bay Area, probably in the nation. Um, So, yeah, it isn't it isn't just Muni. I mean, some of them are appear to be in denial and Muni seems to have a much more transparent to its credit seems to have a much more transparent and sober view of what's going on. But like this, we're going to see this in AC transit. We're probably going to see it on BART. We're going to see it everywhere. Um, So back to, (laughs) back to Muni. Um, I mean, Muni is going to lose um, five projects. It's going to lose about $568 million in revenue over the next four years. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of that is fares, you know, I mean, they're just seeing fewer riders. It's just obvious, but Muni actually um, it, it doesn't um, it's, it's not like BART will where BART like got a ton of its operating budget from its fare box. I mean, Muni actually um, isn't funded most bus agencies aren't funded by fares to the tune of like to the same tune as rail agencies. So um, a lot of it is actually like just economic circumstances, like sales taxes are way down and that's just like totally decimating transit. Or not sorry, not sales taxes, but sales tax revenue is going to be way, way down and that's decimating transit. And I mean, just like- Is that the because whole- the city has less money coming in so they have less money to give to Muni in turn? Um, yeah, that's part of it. And just like, you know, the economy, people aren't purchasing as much, you know? Um, I mean, really like transportation gets a lot of money from sales tax revenue. And so that's really dependent on where the economy is going. And the problem is that with that is that, um, we could see the ramifications of that for a really long time. You know, I mean, Jeff Tumlin in, um, the last MTA meeting, he said that basically Muni was just coming out of the 2008 recession. Like if you can imagine, and that's freaking 12 years ago. Like they were just like limping out of that and bam. Right. (laughs) And from what I've heard that like, this is going to be worse. So a lot of it is just like general economic, you know, um, a lot of transportation agencies get money from gas taxes, like those revenues are way down. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it is, but, but part of it is fares and, um, they did also take a hit because the, um, board of supervisors rejected the clipper fare increase that Muni was going to do. That, that isn't like the major catastrophe here, but that actually also caused it all to adds lose. Up. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so I read your story and it looks like um, they may only have a fifth of their usual ridership for several years. Yeah. What are they saying about why? I mean, of course, people are afraid right now to ride buses, but why are they projecting that that is going to be so long lasting? Okay. So that, so that's, that's kind of the worst case scenario. So they presented, I mean, every, like everywhere, they presented kind of like a sunny scenario where people come back. <laughs> there aren't very many sunny scenarios right now yeah. about anything. <laughs> so that was like, that was kind of the worst case scenario. But I personally, I think it's time to start looking at worst case scenarios. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's basically um, a, a combination of things. Um, yeah, a lot of it is like, you know, societal People aren't going to come back to work right away. A lot of people are maybe going to be remote working permanently. Just commute patterns are changing. A lot of people are just apprehensive about getting on transit, understandably. Um, more people are going to get in cars. So there's that. Um, there's also Muni expects to cut about 30% of its service just in general. And like, that is, you know, partly because of their losses in revenue. Um, they have a ton of workers calling in sick now for various reasons who, um, they're not going to have the funding or the wherewithal to replace. Um, so that's why they cut the bus lines in the first place because they just didn't even have the staff to, to, to run them. Um, so there's that. So they're going to run a lot less service. Um, they may be hindered by social distancing constraints, which like we're not totally sure about yet. But if like the if the guideline is going to be that people have to stand six feet apart, then that really inhibits them from, you know, <laughs> putting that like constrains their carrying capacity, basically, right. you know. Um, so there's that. I mean, Tom Lynn was saying like he really hopes that um um, that the six feet, that it's, that ultimately it's going to be, um, more like three feet, you know, like I think other countries have done three feet, that people are going to wear masks, that there's going to be good, like civility and, um, yeah. So it's civility just like, on Muni. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> or just like, you know, just that people will like wear a mask, not get on the bus if you're sick, this kind of thing. So like with all those factors combined, worst case scenario, um, Muni could go down to like a hundred, 150,000 riders a day. Wow. Yeah. And it really feeds on itself because if they are cutting service because they have fewer riders, then there's, you know, that would seem to make even fewer riders because there's just fewer lines to choose from. To yeah. From point A to point B. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Death spiral. So how, <laughs> yeah, exactly. How do you think San Francisco will function with so few bus lines? This is such a basic service that cities need to be successful. And if they're scaling back lines by, you know, two thirds, what will our city look like? I mean, it's so interesting, Heather, because like, I mean, I think no one quite knows exactly what trans, like what, tr how transportation is going to look like or what cities are going to look like with all of this. Because I mean, remember like a few months ago when the Chase Center opened, um, like they completely redid this big part of the transportation system to get everyone to the Chase Center. Yeah. And now there's no Chase. <laughs> well, that, not that there are no chase. Now there's this like, huge empty building, no concerts, no, no basketball games. Yeah, right. So it's like, I mean, that's just like just one example of how, you know, I mean, who knows what's going to happen to that neighborhood. I mean, eventually, hopefully it'll come back. But, you know, it, there's different there's different theories, right? Like 
Malcolm Heineke, who just left the MTA board, he got termed out. Um, he was saying, hey, the city's going to bounce back. Like, this is who we are. Um, Muni's going to bounce back. We can't have an empty financial district. You know, like, this is temporary. Um, but, you know, I've heard a lot more pessimistic uh, projections. I mean, people just think that cities just aren't going to look the same, that it's going to be a long time before we have that shared social ritual of getting on a crowded bus, you know, and that's just like so much a part of what San Francisco is. So, I mean, it, Mm -hmm. yeah, it just like work could look really different. Transit could look really different in the, yeah, it, it just would be a totally different downtown. Yeah. Okay. I have a question for you. That's really near and dear to my heart because I adore cable cars. So what is the future of San Francisco's cable cars? (sighs) It's really sad, Heather. I mean, cable cars, I asked Jeff Tumlin about this because he uses a cable car Zoom background, which he now describes as very masochistic. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Cable cars probably won't come back until there's a vaccine. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because cable cars are just like that's the thing where the operators are most um, vulnerable. The people are most uh, crushed together is my understanding. I mean, um, and – to be frank, I think that's like the least, um, this is, this is just, this is me talking, this is not the MTA, but I, I would probably say that's the least essential to like commuters. Um, yeah. Although I, I do know one person who loves to ride to work on the cable car, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, oh, but yeah. you can't have San Francisco without cable cars. I know. I know. <laughs> so sad. I know. This is definitely a worst case scenario. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about what Muni's doing to try to get writers back. You had an interesting quote from Jeffrey Tumlin, um, the director of Muni, saying that he's trying to buy, buy cleaning products that smell like bleach, but that it's pure theater. What did he yeah. mean by that? Is there <laughs> some misalignment between what actually needs to happen to make buses safe and what how people perceive it? Yeah. I mean, to some extent. He said, I mean, the, basically the way he talks about it is that the strategy is two-pronged and part of the strategy is based in science which is you know get everyone to wear a mask and clean and sanitize the buses like have this strict cleaning regimen and you know whatever they have to do um and you know have everyone stay home when they're sick and have operators stay home when they're sick and this and that and the other but part of it is um appealing to people's emotions and Mm -hmm. it seems that this is like rebounding from COVID, COVID, a lot of it is going to be kind of like um, appealing to people's emotions. And so people, you know, have, um, people have completely rational fears of transit, but I mean, they also may have like heightened fears of transit. So he said people are actually comforted when you can smell that a bus has been cleaned, (laughs) (laughs) which I have to admit, you know, sometimes like, like I have been, I have ridden transit a few times since the pandemic. And sometimes you do get on and you're like, oh, wow, this is a smell I have never smelled before. (laughs) (laughs) This is a smell I've never smelled before. I'm part of me. So (laughs) we often uh, smell very different things. I'm part of me. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you know, like that is something he said, like, 
you know, products that smell like lemon or smell like bleach are not necessarily more effective. They may, in fact, um, they may, in fact, irritate people who are sensitive to smells, but they comfort a lot of people. Um, So, yeah, there's there is that. It's just, you know, kind of like walking people back and just making them feel less apprehensive. I'll be right back with Rachel Swan. I'm back with Chronicle reporter Rachel Swan, who's talking about the future of public transit in San Francisco. I haven't actually been on a muni bus since March, um, but you just said you've ridden a few. So um, what was that like? Like, did you see very many other people? Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, so um, I actually rode the eight once. Um, It was was to get to an assignment. You know, the easiest way was to just hop on the eight. Um, that's the bus that goes from city college to pier 39. And honestly, Heather, it was totally crowded. Oh, wow. Um, I, um, I kind of was like, ah, <laughs> um, everybody, it was like, it was very, that is a very, this is before Muni, um, reintroduced the 30, which the 30 mm-hmm. Stockton, which I think was in part to alleviate crowding on the eight. Um, the eight is a crowded, really, really, really crowded bus anyways. Um, it goes through along San Bruno Avenue. It goes through the Portola. It takes students to city college campus and it goes through Chinatown and it goes up through North beach, like around North beach Mm -hmm. area. Yeah. So it's like a super crowded bus at all times of the day. And it was still crowded during the pandemic. So, Mm -hmm. um, fortunately Muni has like taken steps to alleviate some of that crowding. But so, but I did have the experience of like, kind of like pressing myself literally against the door (laughs) to not touch the person next to me. (laughs) It was standing room only. It was like, I have to say it was extremely crowded. Um, did it smell like bleach? It didn't, it did not smell like bleach, but I will (laughs) say. But I will say everybody was wearing a mask to their credit. Oh, it was good. like, yeah, it was very much mask heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and you mentioned in your story that um, there was a plan for free rides for all San Francisco youth, I believe. And then Muni had to change that to only low income youth. Is that right? Because yeah. Of the well, yeah. Basically, Muni already um, provides um, free rides for low income youth. Um, so, but they had planned to, they had hoped to expand that to all youth. Um, but that was a function of the fare increases they were planning to do. And so they had to pull that back. Okay. Yeah. And you, you mentioned the eight and 30 are in operation. What other, um, major lines are expected to continue versus which lines do we know will never return potentially? Have they spelled that out yet? Um, yeah, I think that we'll see, they have like 20, uh, I think it's 23 lines or so, um, out right now. Um, so it's gradually been creeping up from the low of 17. So I know, let's see, like the 14, the 38, I mean, a lot of the major, the major ones, trunk the lines. Yeah. yeah. The five are all running and there's even some rapid lines running. Um, so those are still running. They're also, um, so far they've had, um, like, for, for the time being, since the, um, the mini Metro has been closed, um, they've had shuttles to replace the, um, those lines like the T and such. Um, but they're going to bring the Muni Metro back in August. It's going to be a changed Muni Metro. 
Um, it's going to be like reconfigured basically so that they can run um, longer, more frequent trains in the subway, partly for social distancing and to make it more efficient. Um, so they're, so yeah, it's, it's, um, it's going to be interesting. They're like mm-hmm. going to be experimenting this with the subway. And I think they're going to bring like something uh, like a very small handful of bus lines back in August along with it, but it's obviously not going to be very much. So yeah, it's, um, so the map's going to look a lot different. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of people are predicting, quote, Carmageddon as people return to work and are too scared of riding Muni and Bart and think of their cars as kind of like armor against the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Are you expecting to see even more worse traffic than before the pandemic when it was already really bad? Um, Short answer is yes. Um, I think that people are are just going to be driving a lot more. Um, I mean, I like, I've been driving. <laughs> I've been, yeah, well, I don't too. know if I've been driving more than, but I mean, I, I'm someone who takes trans, who takes transit like a lot. Um, and I just found I can't rely on it anymore. Plus, you know, it's just easier to drive right now. Um, yeah. And, um, so yeah, I think people are going to take cars. I mean, it's going to be, um, a, a mitigated slightly by, you know, a lot more people are going to be remote working. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, it, I think that more people are going to drive. We're already, we already saw congestion around Memorial Day in like the first, second kind of halting stop start phase of reopening. Um, we were already seeing, I mean, I know. I spent an hour in a traffic jam one time on a Monday because there were, I mean, that was, you know, cause there were like a bunch of accidents on 80, but there was also like really heavy traffic. So we already saw glimpses of traffic coming back and that was with people working from home, you know? So I think like the first thing that's going to happen as we reopen is people are going to, you know, I mean, I hate to say this. I know it's like, doomsday but i mean honestly people are going to get back in their cars and jam up the freeways again and jeff jeffrey tumlin could see that like he could he can totally see that um long before it happens so that's why um he realized a plan to to um do emergency transit lanes you know he's they're already taking steps to mitigate that and you have a big interview with him up now um sfchronicle.com gotta plug that and he <laughs> He started just a few months ago in a completely different world. Um, seems like a million years ago now. But he, you know, was a big, seemed like a kind of progressive savior who was going to try to turn the city into a paradise of bike lanes and pedestrian walkways and limit cars and potentially remove parking. And his job, you know, turned on a dime. Um, so yeah. what did he tell you about how he's coping and what his plans are moving forward? I mean, Jeffrey Tumlin is super upbeat, you know, you got to hand it to him. Um I mean, he has told me that, like, he's still getting up at five every day and still visiting muni workers out in the yard. And, um, you know, like, he's, he's, like, really, like, hopeful about the future. Um, you know, this, 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 he's also said, like, chaos is thrown at us every day. <laughs> and yeah, you know it's just like a rain of to a constant rain of toads <laughs> and like we're just you know taking it as we come um 
he's he has um been able to do and other cities have done this as well he has been able to do some experimentation during the pandemic like slow streets um which you know um has been great on some streets and and has mixed results on others um but um you know so we have seen like little glimpses of that utopia that everybody wants i mean it's kind of weird because like Right now, even as, um, even as the MTA has had to redesign the bus, bus, um, bus system, they're also, um, doing some of those like amazing reformist utopian experiments that they might have not had the chance to do, you know, like uh-huh. banning cars on certain streets and, um, putting in a lot of transit only lanes. Um, and so there's that. I mean, like the big test is going to be next year when theoretically the economy starts to rebound traffic comes back um people need to get to work we have this kind of very lean skeletal muni system and i mean i think that's like the critical test of his leadership is yet to come right did he tell you if he regrets taking the job because <laughs> i would <laughs> he uh no, I mean, he has not intimated that he regrets taking the job. Um, he did make an interesting comment at the last board meeting about, you know, like, I need to, it was something, I'm not, I'm not quoting it right, this is from memory, but he said something like, I need to, I need to leave a very good system for my successor, and I was kind of like, <laughs> you're seven months in, you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking funny. about your successor. But I mean, you know, that could have been completely benign. <laughs> yeah. So. But your ears perked up when he Yeah, it did. <laughs> and last question. One big silver lining for me about shelter in place has been the closure of some major streets in the city to cars, including Twin Peaks Boulevard, part of JFK Drive and Golden Gate Park, and the Great Highway alongside Ocean Beach. Are you hearing anything about whether those might stay the way they are even after, you know, life returns to semi-normal? You know, I mean, this is a period of like total experimentation. So I think nobody knows. Um, one thing that I do know is they found that some slow streets like worked better than others. So, I mean, they've actually, um, taken away, I they've actually like, uh, how do you say it? Annulled a couple, s- <laughs> reopened yeah. a Those couple were the slow, slow streets, streets, which were, um, still had some cars, but not through traffic. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. I mean, you know, there is like, there is a lot of momentum to close off JFK permanently. And, mm-hmm. um, it's Jeffrey Dumlin has said in many of his public statements, you know, before taking the job that this was something that he was behind. He got a little more cagey when, uh, I think that he had to start playing nice with every single mm-hmm. city leader and Phil Ginsburg from Reckon Park was, mm-hmm. was against the idea. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. you know, he's very, one thing I will say about him, he's very, actually very, like, very good at, you know, um, recognize, like, recognizing differences and kind of tamping down conflict mm-hmm. and being diplomatic. Knowing, yeah. Being diplomatic. Exactly. And like <laughs> knowing when to let go. So, um, I, I would say JFK drive is still up in the air. Um, although it yeah. seems like it's been a tremendous success and there's like a ton of, of, um, momentum and definitely activism and possibly even political pressure to, um, keep these streets at least partially car free yeah well i vote for it so 
Awesome. And it's, <laughs> and it's coming from Heather Knight. So there you go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it was great to talk to you. You've been very informative and I appreciate you joining me today. Thanks so much, Heather. Appreciate it. Thank you to Rachel Swan for joining me today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and to you for listening. <laughs>